You're listening to Getting Lit with Linda Mora, the podcast where we welcome you to get lit. Canadian lit, that is. Join Linda as she talks about authors in Canada and sometimes with them, using her expertise to shed some light on recent and not so recent writers. And now, get ready for Getting Lit with Linda. Hi, this is Linda Mora, the writer and host of Getting Lit with Linda. I had so much fun for today's two-part episode. In the second part, I interview the author, Marissa Shapley. I'll explain why that exchange resonated so very deeply, very personally with me. But in this first part of the two-part episode, I interview Roland Gulliver. Gulliver is the director of the Toronto International Festival of Authors, which is set to launch Motive. Motive is the crime and mystery festival that's scheduled to take place between June 3rd and June 5th and based at the Harbourfront Centre. He was appointed the director of the festival in early 2020, a critical moment, as you may well imagine. And so we had a good chat about the kinds of changes that happened because of its timing and about the fact that it's now a hybrid event. If you don't know a lot about this festival, don't worry, neither did I. That's what we're unpacking in this interview. And by the end of the interview, I was truly excited. In fact, I bought several tickets for the events scheduled to take place. This is where we begin the interview. Roland Gulliver explains what the event is, why he decided on launching this particular festival in Canada, and what its relationship is to the Toronto International Festival of Writers. This is my interview with Roland Gulliver. Welcome, Roland, to Getting Lit with Linda. Um, I wonder if we could start by speaking to my listeners about the festival and its relationship to the International Festival of Writers. Um, yes, so we're very excited to be launching Motive this June. It will be my first in-person festival as new director of Toronto International Festival of Authors and when I arrived, so I became the director in February 2020. Oh, when I arrived, no. I <laughs> yes, well, it was it was um... fun times. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. It wasn't quite uh, what I planned to do. Although we did, although we had two years of making a digital festival, we did take lots of the ideas that I brought in terms of the creative writing masterclasses, the critical conversations, and uh, the Tifa Kids program and performances. We took those into a digital space. So that was that was really good. But one of the things that I realized when I a- arrived was I was talking to people. I wanted to find out about what people were reading and what they were interested in. And, uh, you know, to kind of work out, to get book recommendations, essentially, mm-hmm. you know. The, the whole point of my job is to find out what books make people excited, what makes them tick. Um, and I realized that Canadians loved crime and mystery writing. Um, they, they were hugely passionate about it. And obviously coming from the UK, where crime and thrillers are really popular, not, not quite that, that joy that people have in Canada. I think um, I've noticed that Canadians love crime and mystery writing. And they love short stories, and they're very proud of those things. Uh, which I was going to intervene and say, I'm not sure that joy is necessarily the right word. We have an attraction for the macabre, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's a love of a good 
story. Yes, I think so too. And I apologize, I do make like, oh, all Canadians think this. But also, I've noticed that Canadians are very good at talking about their story mm. um, and their kind of their history or their place, their path through history. So I think, yeah, Canadians love a great story. Um, and that's why they love crime and, and mystery writing. And I think it just seemed like a really fun way of responding to that and creating the Crime and Mystery Festival. And also, <laughs> your question was actually, what's its relationship to the main festival? I think one of the things we wanted to do was to open out to all kinds of different readers and genres and mm-hmm. you know different kinds of audiences. And so by creating a crime festival, to create this moment that opens out to, to readers who love crime and mystery books, you know, it's the most borrowed in libraries and you know, people, there's a real sense of community around it. Um, and also to, to look at how, you know, make different kinds of festivals throughout the year that help to shape what we do for the main festival. It, it is a burgeoning area. I think you're quite right about this. There's such a, a fascination or an interest in um, crime and mystery. And I, so I, I assume that this is the reason why there's this now, this extension from the International Festival of Writers. There is, as you say, this kind of interest. You say in a in an interview, this festival is the realization of a two-year dream. When I arrived <laughs> in Toronto, I was struck by how passionate Canadian readers were for crime and mystery books. And so I, th- I was thinking a couple of things. The first thing is the realization of a dream when you started it during COVID. So I think bravo to you because here's <laughs> here is the, the legacy of it. But I wondered how Canadian crime and mystery differ from that of, say, Scandinavian countries. So there's a big, a burgeoning mm. field of crime and mystery in Scandinavia. Does it differ? Or perhaps out of Britain, I was thinking how much I love the television series um, Broadchurch. How does Canadian <laughs> crime and mystery differ from these other manifestations? Mm. Um, I That's a tricky question. I think that all those different influences are in Canadian um, crime writing. So I, I think of uh, Linwood Barclay, who you know would, was is strongly influenced by U.S. crime writing, and that kind of whole kind of particularly his last one, um, "Find You First, which is a really slick urban drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then thinking about people like uh, Nita Prose, who's oh, yes. um, the Maid was a huge bestseller, and that's you know, that kind of feels quite British in its style. But then someone like Ian Hamilton, who's a real international crime writer. Uh, so it's kind, of, it's kind of moving outside of that. But then um, you have the ones, the, the kind of the influence of, of the Nordic noir in the sense of, you know, you have this whole great country expanse that, that brings that certain, like you say that, you, you talked about earlier, the love of the macabre, that kind of darkness that comes in. And I also, but I also think one of the reasons for doing the festival is we probably uh, underestimate the wealth of talent that we have, you know, just I, like, people like Kathy mm-hmm. Rikes and Peter Robinson and Linwood Barclay and Ian Hamilton, um, all, you know, the, the number of books that they've written over the, the past decades are, are phenomenal. But whether people go, oh, actually, they're a Canadian crime writer. Mm-hmm. I don't you know. I think out, maybe outside of Canada, they don't, people don't quite, haven't quite caught that yet, which I think is another really exciting thing about the program. I think it is. I was looking through it in preparation for today's chat. And Nita Prose, for example, is, is uh, I've not read y- yet The Maid, and I'm so looking forward to reading that now. 
but I was speaking to another friend and colleague about Thomas King and Thomas King's, right? Uh, yes. And so it made me think about the fact that there's a, another, I suppose, a subset of the genre. I was thinking of a book that I had read and actually done an interview for this podcast, a book by Michael Nest called Cold Case North. It's a true crime narrative about these Indigenous activists. The book is a real page turner. It's fabulous. And so I was wondering how true crime fits into this festival, if it does. <laughs> but it made me think, too, of the relationship between Thomas King's books and Cold Case North, and that he's actually, Thomas King is actually working with this kind of corporate corruption that has a bearing on an Indigenous presence. So I wondered if there was a relationship anyway between real crime stories and crime and mystery fiction. Completely. And I think, um, you know, so there is some true crime in the program. There's uh, the authors who name now escape me who have written a book about the, the shootings in Nova Scotia, the 22 murders. There's a book by two French Quebec writers looking at the, the mafia in, in Montreal. Oh, yes, that's um, a presence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that whole, that whole, both that whole true crime as that exploration of the world around us is, is really uh, important. And obviously true crime podcasts are such a huge part of what we do now and uh, how we listen to stories and enjoy stories. In fact, that was another question that I had for you, that um, crime as a subject matter in fiction has become very popular in podcasts. It's the third most popular, mm. followed closely by fiction. And so I wondered if there was also a correlation between crime uh, fiction podcasts and crime fiction. So you're already addressing that, actually. <laughs> yes, I think true crime podcast, I think, re reflects a lot of how we now consume our stories and enjoy our stories. And technology has really brought that whole thing of storytelling back, um, oral storytelling, mm -hmm. but also the series as well, the chapters, and every week getting the next chapter of a story which obviously used to happen back in the day with Dickens and, and newspapers and things like that. Someone like Thomas King is a, is a brilliant example of mm -hmm. someone who writes wonderful novels mm -hmm. that are captivating, great stories, wonderful characters, but then are dealing with real, important, mm -hmm. difficult issues. And again, I think that's again, one of the, the reasons for doing this festival is that crime writing is both... Mm -hmm brilliant storytelling, which we all have, but also dealing with serious issues, um, whether it's around mm -hmm. Indigenous rights or whether it's around domestic abuse or whether it's around drugs and gangs and things like that. The, the, the two parts of what makes crime novels so good is that you have great storytelling, but also you're dealing with real contemporary issues that are, you know, whether it's Indigenous mm -hmm. rights or domestic uh, abuse or drugs or urban living or all these different kind of or mental health or things like that. So I think that was one of the, the things that we wanted to celebrate was those two elements. Um, and one of the really interesting parts of the festival program is as well as having the writers talking about their books, we're also having our critical conversations series, which we, we have done in the main festival over the past couple of years, and these will be discussions about um, policing and uh, judicial reform, oh, uh, the science of, of a crime scene, but also the ethics of crime writing. 
and discussing that tension that there is between the the, the entertainment, you know, the entertainment and uh, that we get from reading about these things versus how you represent mental health, for example. Oh, yeah, but true. also now, how do we how do we write about policing, and how do we represent those difficult challenges that society is trying to to deal with? Do you think there's been a shift in in terms of the ethics of crime writing? Um, I think writers have always been aware. You know, crime writers are great. I think crime writers probably underplay their skills quite a lot. Mm. But they do a lot of research and they do a lot of talking to police to understand the rules and the regulations and the things that happen. Um, the, it's interesting that particularly, I think, because of the of the, the nature of the last couple of years, quite a lot of crime writers have gone back into like the late 70s, early 80s mm-hmm. and things like that and have looked at representing the violence that police perpetrated, you know, because the rules were... were... So different. Yeah. So it's, and I think that's, and that's a really interesting element to look at. But again, on the other side, look, I think a, a lot of, even from, you know, so Mark Billingham's in the programme, even from his first book, which I think was 20-odd years ago, that was all about the, the voice of the victim, even though she was in a coma. Mm. Uh, and the, the role and the presence and telling the story of the victim has been, or I think it's always been as important as telling the story of you know, the killer, telling the story of mm. the policeman, telling the story of, of how the, the community responds and the characters. Um, and I think particularly those writers that, you know, like Thomas King again, who has this series where, yes, you're telling a, a story, but you actually this is joining a collection of characters who you've fallen in love with and finding out what's happening next. And exactly. There's so much more that comes into it. They help us to care about not only the character, but also the issues that are at stake yes. that involve the said characters, which I think is also important. You have an extraordinary and exceptional lineup this year. I'm sorry that <laughs> I'm not you. in Toronto, although I'm happy to see that some of the events are hybrid. And so I'll be buying tickets for some of those. I know you can't pick favorites, but perhaps <laughs> I thought you might highlight some of the writers for our listeners. Well, <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, a festival director can never have favorites. No, you cannot. But it, I think it's, you know, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> you know, you, you talked about it being the realization of, of a two-year dream and almost for two years I've been waiting to meet writers in person all these great Canadian writers so like Thomas King so and, and Linwood and you know Linwood Barkley was really great kind of how we put together the program Sherry Le Penna uh, and things like that but also there's some great American writers um I read Marcy Rendon's book which is a brilliant um she's a Native American that's all about her heritage but being a crime scene photographer mm-hmm. uh, and the ghosts that haunt her and things like that. We've got some wonderful Nordic writers like um, Lilla Sigurdar, Dotter, and Antti Tuminen. Uh, Antti Tuminen's great because his, his writing's very comedic, mm-hmm. uh, so that brings a whole different kind of element into it. The crime writers of Canada will have a tent that will be part of the festival, which again just you know brings brings in all that community and all that discovery. We'll have writers from the Basque Country and from Germany who will be here, and the, and the wonderful thing about that is being able to place an international writer alongside 
a mm-hmm. Canadian writer and, and begin to have those connections that that really make it an exciting event because you find those transcendences and those connections. I was going to ask you about how you decide what writers will be featured. You have this exceptional lineup, but how do you how do you make decisions about who gets selected? <laughs> um, there are lots of different elements that go into it. So for many things, it's about representing as broad a sweep of Canadian writing as possible, having those headline names, but also bringing those, like Samantha Bailey and... Robin Harding, who've had two or three books and bringing those in, then bringing some debut writers, like uh, I think David Witten and Nicola Ludgrigan are debut. Uh, if they're not, I apologise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, so kind of mapping out those different areas and looking at the different genres. We also had the Nordic Noir focus this year, so that brought in a different element. I invited the, the fun-loving crime writers, mm-hmm. who are a crime writing supergroup, so that brought in Val McDermott and Mark Billingham and Chris Brookmeyer. Uh, obviously, oh, how could I forget? We invited Maureen Jennings of the Murdoch <laughs> Mysteries. There's no greater Canadian uh, writer than, than that. <laughs> Earlier in the interview, we were referring to the fact that some of the events are, are hybrid. Mm. And I wondered if that was an effect of, of the, the pandemic. And if you plan going forward on on continuing that as a as a tradition or as a part of the event so it so it was kind of something that came obviously from the pandemic um mm. there were a couple of few authors that didn't want to travel um there's some that weren't able to travel of course um mm. and then alongside that we wanted to see how the live event sat by the digital event and uh but also one of the things that was really exciting about the last two years was that we could do events in different languages oh, wow. and you know so and allow authors to talk in their native language and then caption it in English that's great which is really exciting because you're then particularly in a digital space you are looking at so for example if you do so we've got Javier Circus as part of the mm. festival and he's doing his event in Spanish about his first crime novel even though he's a you know a award-winning literary novelist and by being a Spanish, that you know that appeals to a Spanish-speaking audience in Toronto, which is you know the, the diversity of the languages in the city is really exciting. But then, mm-hmm. hopefully, connects with a Spanish-speaking audience uh, across the world, wherever. So I think there's a really I'm really excited by that relationship that digital offers of how we how we as a festival respond to all the languages in the city, but then at the same time become a, 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 an inter, a really a, a properly international festival. So this year we've got, obviously, Javier in Spanish. We've got Elari Tutti, who's doing her event in Italian. We've got Gunnar Stalson oh. doing his event in Norwegian. And uh, we have a Japanese writer who, I won't do the dishonor of pronouncing his name very badly. Uh, <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes yes. referenced in uh, today in our Yes, and I think his book, My Annihilation, is a really, again, it was, it was a recommendation via the Japan Foundation, which is one of those brilliant things where I would have never found his work. So, yeah, so it's, about, it's about the psyche of a man who you don't know if he's the killer or if he is out for revenge or retribution. And there's kind of these layers of storytelling, which is, and it's quite a dark novel, mm-hmm. but fascinating in terms of, of, 
of discovering that kind of work. I wonder now if we could just tell the listeners about the dates of the festival, where they can get their tickets, um, and any other little a bit of information that you think is essential for potential audience members. Yes. Uh, so the festival runs from June the 3rd to the 5th. So that's kind of Friday evening where we begin with Kathy Reichs all the way through to Saturday, uh, Sunday night. Um, there are 40 in-person events at the Harbourfront Centre. But we also have a theatre show called The Hidden, which is out at Brampton Libraries, uh, which is just the most amazing mystery puzzle scavenger hunt. And then we have the 14 digital events, which will be shown across the three days, but you then have three days after the festival to watch them. So they're available for 72 hours. Tickets are available through our website, which is festivalofauthors.ca forward slash motive. But also there are lots of free activities happening down at the festival. So uh, Kobo Plus, who are our sponsor, have their own uh, reading lounge and space which I think they're going to call the Kobo Cabana. Uh, <laughs> That's great. There are events with the Crime Writers of Canada. We also have some performances and some readings on, on a free outdoor stage. There are a couple of great events with Sarah Weinman, who is the New York Times crime columnist, mm-hmm. but also Margaret Cannon, who writes the column for the Global Mail, who I've been told knows absolutely everything about crime writing. Oh, that's so uh, perfect. And I... And you were talking earlier about podcasts and the popularity of them. Her column in the Global Mail is one of the most popular columns across the entire paper. So that kind of shows both... Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, the popularity of the genre, but also her knowledge and expertise. So she will be, uh, she'll be one of our Ask the Expert sessions. So you can find out how to both to find the next the hidden gem, but also to get your way in. So what I'll do for my listeners is put in information and links to some of the events, but also to the main page of Motive so that they can then find out more information, get tickets if they'd like, or just show up to <laughs> virtual events as I will be doing. Cool. So, <laughs> thank you, Roland, for joining me today on Getting Lit with Linda. My pleasure. That was Getting Lit with Linda, hosted by Linda Mora. If you have a topic you would like to hear covered, write to us at gettinglitwithlinda at gmail.com. Until next time, we hope you continue to get lit.